You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. Back towards the seat. We're going to be continuing in our series, Stir It Up. Number four, as I had referenced a little bit earlier, our uh, theme for First and Second Peter comes from Second Peter chapter 3, where Peter lets them know, I'm writing this to, that you would be stirred up. I want you to pay attention to the prophecies. I want you to pay attention to what God has been saying to you. I want you to be aware of it. And it also kind of refers to an area in our life where we are not passive when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, but that we are, one of the things that we do as disciples of Christ is we stir up the giftings that he's placed inside of us. And we do this through uh, deciding, this is what I'm going to do. There's, in the Psalms we see over and over where David will write something like, you know, rejoice in the Lord, O my soul, or be still, my soul. Because our soul, or the, the part of us that is kind of the in here part, can have different feelings than what we're intending to do. And if we wait to feel all the things before we do them, we will live a very kind of on the waves type of a life. And one of the things that we can do is we can take authority over our soul, over ourself and say, you know, be at rest, my soul, or be still, my soul, or rejoice in the Lord, oh, my soul. And that's one of the things we get to do, but also to encourage other people too, we stir them up towards the good. Uh, within First and Second Peter, these these four themes are ones that pop up over and over again, and I encourage you to be looking for them. Uh, persevere in suffering as we follow Christ. Put your hope in Christ as the source of life. He will never leave or forsake us. Uh, be obedient to Christ in all things and put into practice what you know to do. And then finally, live holy in all areas. Set apart to God for his purposes versus uh, just living in a common manner. And so, as we have been at this three weeks, this is our fourth one now, we are uh, each week trying to give a little bit of a sum up because really this is a letter. This is something that Peter wrote to the churches of, of Asia, all the, all the little places we mentioned at the beginning of the message uh, when we started back um, four weeks ago. But he's writing this to them and we get little chunks of it. And when we go through chunk by chunk, we're really, I don't, we, we are submitting ourselves to Scripture because we're not just trying to pick and choose. You know what we want to talk about today? Instead, we're saying, what is Scripture saying to us today? Last week, the theme, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, is keep coming to Jesus, because he, like a living stone, will build you into living stones. To be built up into his spiritual house, you can offer offerings to him. And how we do that is by the way that we live, by being kind to other people, by loving one another, etc., we recognize our lives are firmly rooted on Christ, the cornerstone. Uh, yesterday, Cassidy, Cole, and I uh, built this little thing back here. And while it looks like it would be very easy to snap together, let me tell you that it's three pieces that are kind of arced, and then you've got shelves in each one. And then you have these little connectors that bind each of the three uh, panels together. And until you get up close to it, you think everything looks like it's in its proper space and everything, you know, there's nothing warped or bent, but you would be wrong. <laughs> because it was not until we had all three of them looped together that we realized we're trying to put the shelves in and to find that they're all wonky and the holes don't line up with where the shelves are. And it has to do with the fact that it's imperfect. 
And were we to try to build something significant based upon the perfection of that thing, though it turned out good because of them, trust me, uh, we would, it would be all over the place. The same thing happens when we try to build something ourselves that's not rooted on Christ or, or centered or f- put on a foundation of Christ. When it says he is our chief cornerstone, it means that everything we do is measured against him. I want to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. But you've got to be measuring my life at the same time against that of, that I'm, I'm building on the cornerstone. I do not want a bunch of disciples of Louis walking around this place. I want disciples of Christ who look like you do. Does that make sense? This is not a, a, you know, be like Louis. I mean, you want to be like Michael Jordan back in the day? It was the whole, be like Mike, drink Gatorade. You know, you can't ever be like Michael Jordan. Jesus tells us if we base our life on him and we put into practice his teachings, we will be like him. And that's what Christian is, little Christ. So we don't want to be disciples of people. We want to be disciples of Jesus. And that we learn that by following people as they follow Christ, not just by following people. Does that make sense? Okay. I hope so. Uh, finally, we talked about we belong. We're in a family. We're chosen. He considers us royal. He considers us holy. He considers us his people. And all that is because of Christ. Last week, as we were wrapping up, I was really kind of torn about where do we end. And so I'm going to repeat the first couple of verses from last, from how we ended last week. I'm going to re- repeat those as we go into this next section. And like I said, we subject ourselves to the scripture when we come together. We don't want to be in a spot where we pick and choose because the scriptures we read are challenging and hard because the instructions of Jesus at times will be challenging and difficult for us. And the reason for that is because if we did not need Jesus' instruction and every, we were just walking perfectly all the time, we wouldn't need him. We could do it on our, on our own. But because Jesus loves us, he gives us his word to help us learn how to walk his way. Okay? Walking in his way is walking in his teachings, walking in the manner that he did. So 1 Peter chapter 2, this is going to be 11 through 17 this week. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to talk about it. So Peter writes, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Keeping that in mind, this is what the call is. Bring glory to God. Let your light shine so that when people see you, even if they speak negatively about you, that their negative words fall to the ground. Be subject For the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. When we dive into this, I want you to keep in mind that even though it's 2022, and one of the things we do, and part of it's Western cultures do this, but especially Americans do this a lot, we want to look for a direct application of what we see in Scripture, and that's good as long as we are keeping the context of what was going on at the time when this was originally written. 
okay? When Peter is writing this to the early church, first century Christians are considered to be committing treason against the Roman Empire because they are called atheists. According to the Roman definition, they would not worship the Roman or Greek gods. They would not worship the emperor as God. They followed this other God. And so the Roman government treated them as though they were atheists and that they were treasonous. They, Christians were thought to practice these secret immoral practices of cannibalism. Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And it was well, like, well that, that's not taken in context. Oh, don't, we don't need context. This is wrong. You guys are weirdos. And you call, you call each other, the, the Christians were considered to be incestuous because everybody's a brother and sister. They, and literally, and we, we, we laugh at it. But Peter's writing and saying, they're maligning Christ. And let's not, in our activity, give them anything to use as ammunition. In 2022, this is where I need you to give me some feedback. What are some of the things that Christians are said to be that would be negative or cause people to have a, a skeptical or negative outlook when it comes to interacting with one of you? Judgmental. Judgmental. What else? Hypocritical. Self-righteous. Fill in the blank with whatever phobic you want to put in there. What else? Okay, judgmental. Uh, hyper-Trumpers, very much, this is one of the things that especially with the election of 2016 and the, the galvanization of a large group of Christian people, very much almost like Christian nationalists, rallied around a, poli a particular political group, entire groups within our country completely disenfranchised, thinking if Christianity equals Donald Trump and this, this is, these people have no problem with that, I want nothing to do with them. Okay, think about the same thing they're saying in the first century. Christians are cannibals and incestuous, treason, treasonous atheists. We have the same kind of charge put in front of us that Peter puts in front of these first century Christians. As travelers here, as sojourners, as people who are living in exile, people who are not of this world, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Don't give in to whatever you feel like doing. These things wage war against your soul, what God is building into you. And intentionally keep your conduct honorable so when others speak negatively about you as evildoers, the evidence will be in your favor, that you will have good deeds, you will have a reputation that says, no, I know this person belongs to Jesus and I have not seen that other weird stuff there. I don't know if you've ever heard, wow, I, I would never have known you were a Christian. You're so kind or you're so normal or you're considerate or you haven't railed against whatever political things or you seem to be just different than I expected. This is to be the norm, I believe. Because when Jesus came, the people who had the biggest problem with him were, because Jesus wasn't saying overthrow Rome. He wasn't saying, you know, don't listen to them. He actually told Peter one time, he says, you know what? You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to pay our taxes, so let's go fishing. And Peter goes fishing, and he pulls out a fish, and the tax is, is in, the, in the fish's mouth, and he says, go pay yours and mine. And he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Okay? Jesus was not born in Jerusalem to, on this large spectacle. 
No, no, recently, I don't know, um, when I say recently, I, I was thinking about how Queen Elizabeth had died and there's just this pomp and circumstances, a major uh, funeral. It's like the world of that kind of surrounded by Great Britain, their, their entire, you know, culture takes the day off and we just kind of, you know, popcorn and watch it. And to, to think Jesus did not come as this royalty to be served. Instead, he laid aside his, his authority and his divinity and came fully God but fully man, and he came to serve and to put into practice what God told him to do. He became a servant, even to the point of death. And for us, when we are looking to Jesus, he's inviting us to not insist on our own rights, on our own way all the time, but to take up his way. If anybody wants to come after Jesus, we're to lay aside our selfless ambition, take up our cross daily, and to follow him. One of the ways Peter brings out that we are to address living holy for God is to submit yourself to every human institution or human authority, to the emperor and his representatives, to the president, the Congress, the governor, the local mayor, etc., because they exist for punishment and for praise. One of the things that rises up inside of me at this is... What about when we don't agree? What about when we not only don't agree, but we think it's downright evil, so evil that it's actually evil? What do we do when we, it's like, it may not be an overt rejection of Christ, but it sure is a, like a direct spitting in the face of faith. And my thought and my heart immediately goes there. I don't want to, I know it says you're supposed to subject yourself, but it's really hard for me to do that because I don't agree with this. Anybody besides me, you wrestle with this? This, this is what's going on inside your, your cantaloupe head. Um, yes. One of the things that I have found very helpful is that rather than jump to the exceptions, I'm supposed to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is, while I am here, I am supposed to live like I'm not of this world. I'm living as a citizen of heaven, and I'm living to bring honor and glory to God by the way that I live. And I want to recognize I am an example of what a Christian is, and I may be the only example that some people ever get to interact with. They hear about them, but they don't ever actually get to see them. Years ago, there was a young lady from Tennessee who's only, she came to visit our church, and she, the only time she'd ever seen people who were spirit-filled Christian people, she had seen some of them uh, being arrested in Tennessee because they handled snakes and drank poison during church. And she came in, and, you know, she was scared. She was, just like, came up afterwards and says, um, this was a lot more normal than I would have thought it would be. And I said, yes, snakes are second and fourth Sundays. We don't do those today. I did say that, but that was just more, I repented later. Um, but it was like, I'd never been around people who it's like, you really truly, you know, she, she's a churchgoer, but there's a difference between being a churchgoer and a follower of Christ. And I'm not casting rocks at her. I'm casting rocks at, at me. I don't want to think that somehow, some way, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do just by showing up or by, you know, saying a prayer once in a while. Jesus said, if you're going to walk with me, it's a daily thing. And that's not condemnation. But it's more of if you want to walk in this way, you actually have to be there to learn the way. Does that make sense? 
hypocrites. Christians are hypocrites. I heard an, exa- I heard an example, and it's just, it has, I've not been able to shake it. If you have ever heard one of Johann Sebastian Bach's concertos or symphonies played by a, a, an incredible orchestra, it's one of the most beautiful things on the planet. You take that same orchestra and drop it down to a sixth grade orchestra, it doesn't sound the same. Sometimes I feel like what we call hypocritical, what the world calls hypocritical about Christians is we've got people functioning at a very low level. We're just barely becoming practitioners and thinking that's not a right note. That's not a right note. Nope, we're not, we're not there yet. We're working towards that. We're working to perf- see our, our salvation perfected. We don't want to be playing sixth grade Bach for the rest of our lives. But in some ways, our testimony is kind of like that sometimes. Does that make sense? And it doesn't sound good. Parents seem to like it, but they have to. (laughs) My hope is that the symphony of our life reflects Christ and begins to sound more and more like him. And that requires intentionality on our part instead of looking for loopholes. One of the things that I have found also very helpful when you're coming across a difficult passage or one that's challenging, it's good to look up other places in scripture where it talks about the same type of of thing. And the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13 writes to us about of governments and authorities. And here's, here's what it says. Let everyone be subject or submit themselves to the words here in, in, uh, Romans 13 are the same ones we just read in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let them submit themselves to the governing authorities because all authority comes from God and exists because it is instituted by God. Do not resist or rebel against authorities because if you do so, you're resisting or rebelling against God's appointed authority and you are incurring judgment from God on yourself. Rulers will hold no terror for your good conduct just for bad conduct. If you don't want to be afraid of those in authority, then do good and be okay. The person ruling in authority is God's servant for your own good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because there are consequences. We choose to be subject or submit ourselves to avoid God's wrath and for conscience, for morality, differentiating between good and bad. And as a result, he also says, because of conscience, because it's morally right, pay your taxes because the authorities are God's servants and this is what they're appointed to do. So pay taxes, give revenue, give honor to each one their due. And when we hear that, it flows very well with what Peter's saying. Both Peter and Paul are saying, people, don't let the world malign Christ because of the way that you live. Because you're living, they're already, they're already, already suspect because of outliers or because of a prevailing narrative or because of some very loud ones. You ever notice that there's some very loud people that can end up causing a whole bunch of uproar? Yes, this is true. This is how things are supposed to work. You know, in the next couple of weeks, we're talking about our relationship with, with our work relationship between husbands and wives and we always have caveats on what happens when they don't do the things they're supposed to do what do you do when it's very obvious and by the way we're supposed to pray for those in leadership over us whether they're of the same political persuasion as us or not okay we don't get a chance to say not my president because we don't agree who it is if I was going to say that I'd be saying not my president a lot all the time going back many elections I can remember, 
Yes, I can remember certain situations where people would just be absolutely crushed because Jimmy Carter's a president. He became president. This is 1976. It's like, he's not not Republican. So no, he's not. He's a peanut farmer from Georgia, and he's one of the smartest presidents we ever had, whether he did good or not. But we're supposed to pray for him. But then Ronald Reagan, then George H. Bush, and then, you know, Bill Clinton, and then George W. And all, it's like, well, Jesus is in control. Look what he's done. Oh, no, the world's coming to an end. Our job is to pray for those in authority over us and to do the best we can to honor God with the way that we live. What happens when we come across exceptions? I mean, we would not be a country, America, if at some point somebody didn't say, I think that we have to rebel against King George. I don't believe in good conscience before God and humanity. I can continue as a subject of England. There were people on both sides of this who were like, you're 100% right. Others like, nope, we will continue to support the king because we are not of this world. It is a hard thing to try and discern. I don't know if you remember this a long time ago. There was this thing they called the pandemic. Potentially divisive at a time when there was contradictory information. Depending on what state you lived in, there'd be different instructions as to what you needed to do to keep yourself safe. I hate that word. Safe. You need to keep a mask on 100% of the time unless you're sitting down in a restaurant, then you're free. (laughs) Casinos in Nevada no restrictions. Churches, you can't have more than 40 people in here. What are you supposed to do with that? That was difficult to wrestle through. And when we see those exceptions, it's like, this is why we need to burn this thing down. You know, bring Jesus back. And that was the the attitude of the disciples, a couple of them. A couple times they're like, can we call down fire from heaven? Before Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples come and say, is now the time you're going to overthrow the Romans and you're going to cause your kingdom to come? And he says, "Uh, you're going to go wait for the Holy Spirit now? Because no. Over and over and over, there are nonsense laws. There are political things we disagree with. There are people who do not discharge their office well. They will be accountable to God just like we will be accountable to God for how we parent and how we deal with our spouse. Those are, I mean, it's easy to point the finger and say, I'm glad that person's going to be accountable for what they've done. Jesus, give me grace. Give me grace. Your grace is enough for me, I hope. <laughs> the challenge here is that we do not misrepresent Christ with our lives. I think the big picture in both in Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, when he says, subject yourself is, Live like you can function under authority. If we can't function under authority that we can see, we can't function under the authority of Jesus who we can. You do not have to agree. And yes, I know there are times where push comes to shove and you've had your Popeye moment when you've had all you can stands and you can't stands no more. And you got to decide, is this where I draw? Is this where I have to say, no, I'm not going to do this? Is this where I pull out the Acts chapter four? Well, you're going to have to decide, is it better for me to, serve, to obey you or to obey God? But we cannot jump to that every single time we have a disagreement because it's not always an issue. 
It's very difficult for me to think, even though I hated standing in here by myself with six other people to do church. My greatest thing that I, I, the the most that I missed during our pandemic was the opportunity to gather together in Jesus' name and to have community. Because watching on TV, I mean, I I bet you could barely stand looking at me in person. I didn't know who's going to watch that on TV. Listen to him talk. And to think that we're going through this and recognizing I can go down the street and because we're a church, we have different regulations than other places do. But at the same time, we continued to go along with what our authority said. And and at the same time, I can tell you, Jesus, I'm praying that you end this. And you know what? In Psalms, there are some pretty radical, hardcore prayers. It's like, this is just me. This is how I feel. I wish that you'd overthrow these guys, get them out of there, get somebody in there who's going to do better, who's going to uh, be open and be humble like a Cyrus to listen to you, what you have to say. When David's saying, bash their teeth in and break their necks, okay, it's not really great public preaching material, but it's very good private prayer time talking to God, getting the junk out so we don't respond out of the junk and look for exceptions and loopholes and live like hell in Jesus' name. Misrepresenting Christ can be taking God's name in vain, which I believe can be ascribing God or Jesus to something falsely. It can be using his name as an exclamation or cuss word, attributing actions that are wrong or false or sinful to God. It also is falsely representing the character, values, and teachings and identity of God with our own lives. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people going back and forth, a person who would not identify as a Christian, who is very upset at things that they've seen with this other person who is a Christian, and they're screaming at each other, and the person who's a Christian walks away, well, I'll pray for you, with that joyous tone. We don't do any good trying to shout down the world or get them to conform to a pattern of behavior that we will not live according to ourselves. When Paul and Peter and the rest of the writers of the New Testament are writing these things about get rid of this junk, they're talking to the church, people who said, I want to walk with Jesus. When Paul was asked, well, what about, he says, don't even associate with someone who would be sexually immoral. He says, I'm not talking about people outside the church. If we did that, we'd have to leave the world. I'm talking about people who are dedicated to Christ. Don't go along with the behavior. It's not okay. That's hard. But it's also not trying to try stringent rules to people who don't even know that they're following or want to follow after Jesus. Those are for us. How are we supposed to respond to each other? We're supposed to be loving each other and we're supposed to be living such good lives that when people speak negatively... It falls to the ground because the evidence stands in contrast to it. That's living Christ-like in the middle of a hard, difficult situation. This last week, um, back up. One of my responsibilities, I oversee 10 pastors from 10 different churches, uh, from Susanville down to Bishop, over into all of Nevada except for, except for um, Las Vegas. And there's a guy who used to be a pastor who just moved to Urington. We don't have a four-square church in Urington, and he's asking where, he's at almost 70 years old, but he really wants to get involved with a four-square church. And I'm asking him, can you please tell me about yourself? And he's a good old boy. 
He's a, he's, a, he's a guy from Lake Los Angeles. He's from Palm Desert, from Lancaster, California. Not what you're thinking when you think L.A. He'd be much more, you know, I, I, we're doing this Zoom, and he's got like one ear, earring right here, and he looks like he's maybe seen a couple tattoos at some point in his life. You know, I, I know those are terrible. Um, but he, he, he just, he looks like somebody who fits really well in Nevada, and I said, but, you know, what's the main thing for you? And he said, the main thing for me is that I live my life like a living, breathing letter of Christ so that everybody I come in contact with, even if they don't know I'm a Christian, they've never read the Bible, they get a little taste of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says, you show you are a letter from Christ written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on stone, on tablets of human hearts. And that really struck me because this is really what Peter and what Paul have been mentioning to us is we are the living, breathing messengers of the gospel good news and representatives of Christ. And we're called to declare the gospel good news daily by the way that we live using words when necessary. I need to be able to answer the question is what will people think about and believe about Christ based upon their interactions with me? What they see and know and hear in me. It's keeping the main thing the main thing. It's recognizing that instead of exploring exceptions and looking for loopholes, I'm looking for the very letter and spirit of this is to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love my neighbor as myself, to love one another, to be unified, to be quick to forgive and to pursue forgiveness, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, to uh, speak words that are life and life-giving, to recognize that we are the light of the world and God's called us to let our light shine before people to bring glory to God. Peter actually says this, God's will for you is this, to live well and do good in his name, to live for Christ, but also in how you navigate through the world system. Live so that the good of your life will silence the foolish talk and accusations about Christians. Live as free people, not to cover up evil, but to do all things as unto God. Honor, give proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers versus causing trouble and strife. Reverently fear God and honor the emperor, honor the supreme authority, honor the president, honor the governor. What are we doing with this? We have to start not by looking at the examples of others around us, but by looking into the man or the woman that we are. And to ask God, you know, Holy Spirit, search me. Try me, know my heart, know my mind. And if there's anything wicked in me, pull it out, pull me to the rock everlasting. That's Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Let's bow our heads. <sighs> Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you that your word is true and your word is life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would apply the words that have been spoken today as you would see fit. I pray that you bring conviction, you bring correction, you bring life. Areas where we need to repent, to change our heart, change our mind, change our actions. Areas that we need to, to push into for, for life and, and persistence and perseverance. In areas where we have been bad examples, where we have misrepresented you, Christ, we have asked for your forgiveness. And we ask you to direct our steps. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Convict us of sin. Convict us of righteousness. Convict us of judgment. Teach us what to say and what to do. May we 
bring glory to you with our words, with our actions, in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to just kind of leave you with that. What are you going to do with this? Don't look for the exceptions. Keep the main thing the main thing. As we wrap up, right back here, right after we're done, we will have a prayer available with Willie and Diane and also Patty Porter. They'll be back here by the trellis. Uh, if you are here today and you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus, right back at our Connect and Grow counter, we have these little um, 9 by 12 envelopes called Yes Packets. And basically, it's an invitation to, here's how you start walking with Jesus. And we'd be glad to be, interact with you on that and love to have you continue as you pursue Jesus in that context. But don't forget to grab that today. I want to pray this blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Happy October. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number 4, dot org.